You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bigger Than Beer podcast. We are here to highlight the amazing women who are in various fields of the hop and craft beer communities and shine a light on these talented individuals, engage in meaningful conversations, and explore solutions for positive change. I'm very excited to have two talented individuals in the podcast studio with me today to discuss the ins and outs of serving as representatives of the hop industry through their role at the Washington Hop Commission. Welcome to Bigger Than Beer, Maggie Elliott and Jessica Stevens. Thank you for joining. I'll have you both introduce yourselves uh, so listeners know who you are, and then we can go ahead and dive in. Thank you, Tony Lynn. My name is Maggie Elliott, and I am currently the Science and Communications Director for the Washington Hop Commission. Hi, I'm Jessica Stevens, and I'm the Chief Financial Officer for the Washington Hop Commission. Wonderful. We're so happy to have you both on the podcast today. Um, not many people might be familiar with the Washington Hop Commission, and we want to take this opportunity to educate our, our listeners on what all you do. And also, uh, me, I'm newer to the industry, so I was really excited to have you both on and kind of ask some questions about the structure of this organization. I come from a background of working for a commission for a different agriculture um, product, so I was really thrilled to be able to have another uh, commission individuals here on the podcast today. So first, can you tell me what the difference is, if any, between the Hop, Washington Hop Commission, the USA Hops and Washington Hop Growers of America? Well, I think I'd start with Hop Growers of Washington. So that's a nonprofit organization um, that serves the hop growers in Washington state. The board is represented by districts. So there's two seats for three different districts around the state. Um, And their primary mission uh, is related to regulations and um, legislatures, so concerns that the growers may have and how to address them. They also host the Hop Commission or the Hop Convention once every four years. And the other big thing about Hop Growers of Washington is they provide for our staff's facilities and equipment. So that's kind of Hop Growers in Washington's overall objectives. And then you have Hop Growers of America, who's also a nonprofit organization established in the 50s. And their mission is geared towards international research for hop growers, trade promotion, foreign uh, market development, statistics. They um, help distribute all the statistics information for the industry. Um, They receive a bit of grant funding to promote U.S. grown hops overseas, uh, primarily in Europe and Brazil currently. And they also have some robust best practices programs for our growers that Maggie can go into a little more detail. Um, So that would be the primary mission for Hop Growers of America. Then you have the commission. So the Washington Hop Commission is a state organization. It's a state agency. It's considered a quasi-state agency because we don't receive our funding from the state. We actually receive the, our funding from the growers, and it stays with the organizations. We are actual state employees. All of our staff are state considered state employees, although Hop Growers of Washington and Hop Growers of America contract with the commission so that we could provide administrative support to the other organizations. Um, and the primary mission of 
the Washington Hawk Commission is research, um, international harmonization, and um, they have the the commission has a lot of programs and committees to help meet the needs of growers in plant protection. Um, but Maggie can add to kind of some current programs that we have going on and kind of what that angle is for our growers. Absolutely. So the Washington Hop Commission is funded through assessments. Growers pay a fee for every pound of uh, dried hops produced. That money is all pooled and determined by our board of directors um, with the high area of importance for research money. So whether that be different areas of pests and disease management, regulation, plant breeding, um, all of agronomic principles, well fertility, all of those areas um, are meant to help sustain the industry in Washington State. And so it's Yakima Valley Growers funding projects for that will help Yakima Valley Growers, um, which is a really a great mission. That's fantastic. And maybe clarify for our listeners why, when you mentioned Yakima Valley specifically, when you put into perspective of how much hop production is located here in the Yakima Valley, could you expand on that just Absolutely. a little bit? Absolutely. Yakima Valley grows 77% of the entire um, United States' hop production. It's Yeah, it's a giant in the industry. And hops are such an interesting crop that they can only be grown in very particular areas. And the Yakima Valley just happens to be one of those areas. And so there's very minimal areas outside of the valley where hops are grown. And so we we use Yakima Valley synonymously when we talk about Washington State production. It's saying, you know, hop country. We mean it. (laughs) It's really all these hops are grown right here in the heart of it, in the heart of Yakima Valley. Um, So that's why we talk about, you know, Yakima all the time. It's uh, Yakima Chief Hops. We have growers that are located um, in Idaho and Oregon, um, but we have a, a huge portion coming out of the Yakima Valley. So thanks for expanding on that. I 77, last time I checked it, 75, so it's gone up even farther. Um, so what value um, does the Washington Hop Commission, with, with all that you do, what value does it bring to the local hop industry? Absolutely, and, and you know that's multifaceted. So some of those projects are very abstract. We're looking, we're funding research projects that will be that take years to develop, trying to figure out, figure out new areas of advancement for equipment and technology, um, pest control, plant protection, disease management, um, helping virus, helping develop virus-free rhizomes and rootstock. Um, and so that's abstract. It takes some time. We also work very hard to make sure that our growers have a widespread toolkit of plant protection chemicals so that they can implement their integrated plant system managements um, very well. And so that's a little bit more abstract, but there are also certainly tangible benefits that come with the commission as well. We apply for grants on behalf of the industry. So actually this summer, our office successfully applied and received for a specialty block specialty crop block grant from WSDA, we were able to, within a month, turn around and um, administer over 53,000 N95 masks to our growers to protect workers from smoke. And so there are opportunities that we can seize as a state agency that help our growers, that benefit our growers. Um, And so those are a few examples of ways in which we're always working to support the local industries. That's fantastic. Um, And how, how big is your team? We actually have a team of five currently. Wow. Small team. Lean, mean mm-hmm. machine. I like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> are, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with how that works. And I, I understand like you're, you're wearing a lot of different hats when you're running on a, on a team that size. And, um, and so I really appreciate you explaining how it's funded. It is for those who are not 
in agriculture or have a background in it, it can get a little complicated when you also have the same words for all these different organizations. <laughs> like I know how that goes. Um, so thanks for taking the time to kind of explain that before we d you know, dive into kind of our personal perspectives, our experiences and our career paths. I think it's really important to have that perspective on, on where Maggie and Jessica, you know, they're, they're representing this, this hop industry and all the work that they do. It's, it's really impressive. And we're really appreciative of the time they're taking to, to come onto the podcast podcast today to, to talk about these things. Um, so I'm going to start off with Maggie. Um, just so everyone knows, I have known Maggie my whole life. Uh, we are both actually from the lower Yakima Valley. And uh, so I was really excited when I heard that she joined uh, the hop industry through her position um, at the commission um, and is the, the science and communications director, which is just really exciting. Um, so I, while I may know some of it, Maggie, please, can you tell me a little bit about your educational and professional background? Thanks so much for the introduction, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm a native of the Yakima Valley. I grew up in Prosser, Washington, and I grew up in a family immersed in agriculture. And um, when I was in high school and I was, um, you know, involved in FFA, I started to recognize that there was this disconnect between producers and consumers. And I started to see the ways in which public policy was, um, you know, manip manipulating market trends. And I, I decided I wanted to learn more about that. And so, I chose to attend the University of Idaho and I studied agricultural science, communications, and leadership, which is a degree bro program that really has a backbone of science. I studied plant science and food science, um, supplemented with communication principles to be able to um, disseminate those research ideas to industry and public audiences. And when I was at U of I, I was able to conduct an undergraduate research project that dealt with consumer perceptions in agriculture, and it opened my eyes to this whole world of social science uh, relative to the industry of agriculture. And I fell in love, and I decided that I had so much more to learn. So I chose to go to Texas Tech University and attain a degree in agricultural communications to learn more. And in that role, I was very fortunate. I was able to work with the Texas Alliance for Water Conservation, which is an entity committed to disseminating water conscious practices to cotton growers in the Texas High Plains to alleviate depletion of the Ogallala Aquifer. The approach that or that organization took was very formative to my experiences and I, I learned a lot um, down in Texas. And I graduated with that degree in December of 2019 and I moved back to the Pacific Northwest and uh, had the honor of working for my alma mater, the University of Idaho, as their director of recruitment and student engagement for the College of Agricultural and Life Sciences. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but um, I was very thrilled to be able to, to transition to this position, which I really identify as a science communicator. And I'm really excited to be in this role and to help um, aid a industry, which is very close to my heart coming from the Valley. It's a very fun industry to be a part of. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for walking through that. So in your background, it seems like you have a lot of experience. You know, you just touched on a couple of the different projects that you worked on. You have a lot of experience working in sustainability. How have you brought that experience and passion to, to the work that you do at the Washington Hop Commission? That's a great question. I really see sustainability, you know, distilling it down to its core. Sustainability is the ability to maintain. So forward looking, how can we help our producers maintain their operations, and I see it as a, an approach that includes uh, being environmentally conscious, taking care of our land, being economically viable, making sure that our producers can make a profit, while also um, 
advancing social equity among our workforce to take care of our people. And when I came into this role, I had a couple projects just fall into my lap. Um, the industry, when I joined the team in June, the industry had decided to invest in a life cycle assessment project as well as a carbon sequestration study. These are two seminal studies that have not been conducted by the industry before, both of which will inform the carbon footprint of the industry as a whole. And um, I was, I'm able to lead those projects. And so I am very excited to dive into that um, because we're, we'll be able to segment out different areas of production to help our producers refine their efficiencies. And I think that it will help shed light on all the really progressive approaches our producers are currently taking um, to mitigate their carbon footprint and to be uh, upstanding stewards of the land. I'm really glad you brought that up that, uh, you know, there's research, there's collecting data, there's a lot that goes into being a sustainable grower or a sustainable industry, and it's work that starts right here. Um, so I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, can you walk through a little bit about, you know, what is your what are your current responsibilities in your role? Um, you know, si science and communications director, uh, that's, those are uh, both big subjects within themselves. So you have you have both of those. So can you walk me through your current responsibilities a little bit? Sure thing. Thanks for asking. Let's start with the science. So um, I really see my role um, in the commission as helping coax collaboration between researchers, brewers, and our producers to empower our growers with the research and regulatory tools to remain, uh, to maintain resilient operations. So in that role, I help allocate research dollars. Um, our growers decide where the funding goes. They decide what projects take priorities, take interest. But I'm the one in the background pulling the strings, making sure that our researchers have the tools they need to be able to perform those tasks and make a positive impact on the industry. Um, I also help administer our plant protection program. So the U.S. industry as a whole, the hop industry, we export 40 to 50 percent of our crop abroad and to about 60 different countries. And all of these countries have very different delineations on what type of, on how much and what type of residues can be on hops, whether it be pellets or extract. And so we want to make sure, and they're essentially non-tariff trade barriers. So we work very hard to smooth all that out and to make sure that our hops can be distributed to brewers across the world. And uh, so that, that's a very high priority for the industry. I also help with the domestic registration of pesticides to make sure that our growers have all the tools that they need. Um, I'm also the lead for our legislative efforts. Um, I'll be coordinating our Congressional Hill visits. When issues come up, um, I write letters um, to government entities um, on behalf of the industry. And I'll also, I'm also the point person for our statistics program. So that's compiling all the statistics from the industry um, really being the sole source, the, the central point um, to make sure that hop farmers and industry partners um, understand the role that they play and that they can take a look at different industry trends and see the, the role that they have in that. So that's the science side. On the communication side, I help distribute our trade publications, I interact with the press, maintain our website, assist with our grant writing and other strategical efforts um, for our international marketing programs, internationally, international marketing and promotional programs. So when I was talking about how you have to wear a bunch of different hats, <laughs> how, that sounded like 10 different hats right there. That's amazing, Maggie. Like you're, you're doing some incredible work and it's really, it's on behalf of the growers, right? It's, it's on behalf of your membership, this in, entire industry as a whole 
Um, and I think everyone can appreciate that, that there's a lot of work that goes into those are all major points. I mean, legislative efforts, you know, making sure that you're, you're raising the voices of, of growers to those legislative uh, aspects. And then also like communicating with your grower membership, making sure they're aware of all the efforts that you're doing as well. There's a lot to it. So I thanks for kind of walking through all those current responsibilities that you have on your plate. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how all of these roles and all of these responsibilities, what do they do to help local growers? Absolutely. So everything that we do is on behalf of the growers. You know, it's grower funded, growers deem the priority. So we, we go where the growers tell us to go. We chase the projects that, that they think are very important. Um, but I think, I think it's very important to also recognize that some of the, since hops is such a small concentrated industry, our growers really have to stick up for themselves or because no one else will. And so that's why the industry has been incredibly progressive in staying ahead of the curve and seeing um, trends or disease pest management that's on the way and um, supporting the researchers in a way that will um, help allocate funding so that they can get ahead of these disasters before they happen. Um, and so in that way, it's incredibly fulfilling to work with the hop industry because they're always looking ahead. Um, yeah. Awesome. What kind of tools and resources do you provide growers that they, they can utilize in their practices? Absolutely. So one of the programs that Hop Growers of America administers is called Good Vines. And that is, um, that is a program, it's an educational platform to connect growers with reputable tools to management issues. So there are modules, there are self-assessment modules that can be completed online for growers to look into their land management, their water conservation, their, um, their plant protection, integrated pest management systems, soil fertility, just a plethora of different um, aspects and tools related to production. And this helps keep them on track for you know, some of the best practices in, in the industry and to be able to connect them with also like food safety and quality inspection to make sure that um, they're always achieving the highest standards possible. Um, and that's something that's widely adopted and practiced by the industry. Um, that, that's something that brewers look towards. So they, they are assured that our growers are maintaining very high standards of quality. That's one type of tool or resource. We also um, distribute um, the maximum residue limits, so MRL residues, for growers that are interested in some of those ongoing issues with plant protection ac across the world. And lastly, I think just another tool that we have is, is our communication, is our email distribution list. So when issues arise, we're right there and we're able to disseminate that to growers very quickly. For instance, um, you know, there's an alarming spread of Japanese beetle in the lower Yakima Valley. Whenever we have a, an update from our WSDA rep, we send that out to the industry so they can be updated and informed and they can make, they can navigate their, their operational management decisions. Yeah. I want to circle back to the good binds a little bit. And you talked about standards. And can you clarify, is that standards for, is that standards for food safety, quality, or, or sustainability, or, or? All of the above. All of the above. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Thank you. And the, the Japanese beetle, that's a pest, right? That's a pest for hops? Yes. Right on. Okay. Yeah. It's very important. Remember, we have that 77% uh, grown right here. We want, want to make sure they're all safe yeah, and sound. Yes. Yeah, okay. Bad news. Yeah. Bad <laughs> news. Thanks for clarifying on that. Fantastic. So in your role as communications director, why do you feel it is so important to maintain strong communications with your entire membership? You, you touched on a few examples, like 
you have an issue arise, you got to make sure they know immediately. Um, so what strategies have you leaned in onto to accomplish these these communication tactics you use? Absolutely. So, I mean, I studied communications. I believe in communications. I believe that communications are very important. And so I think that that fast, being able to fast and reliable service is uh, very important. Also, you know, we distribute, we distribute a monthly hop news. We're starting a couple biannuals for newsletters to dive a little bit deeper into our issues. But I mean, I think also that's important for communications is you know, our, month, our quarterly meetings as well as our annual convention, which really um, is, a, is an annual forum for growers to explore upcoming issues and to be able to collaborate as an entire industry as a whole. So there are, those are a few examples of communications. Of course, we keep our website updated as well. Um, but I think growers, you know, growers who are in this industry are very keen on, on staying up to date on industry trends and wanting to know what's out there. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's great to work for our membership. Uh, so, you know, having some experience in communication within agriculture itself, um, there are also some challenges as working in communication and agriculture. Can you touch on those a little bit of challenges that you may have experienced um, giving this information out and getting it out to, to growers, to the industry, or to the public? Yeah, it's interesting because it does depend, and you know, very specifically in communications we call it audience segmentation, right? We have to know our audience to know what the best way for them to intake that information is. When I worked in Texas, we distributed a weekly radio segment because at midday, middle of the week, when a farmer was in his tractor, humming along, and could listen to the radio. That's what, that's for that population, that was the best for them. For our hop producers, it's interesting. We do find that email works very well. Um, you know, they get a ping on their phone and they're right there, they're up to speed. So that's, that's our primary, for that issue management, that is our primary mode of engagement with the audiences. And of course, we're always, you know, and I think also the hop industry is so small, word of mouth is also an amazing um, mode of action. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so connecting these, all these efforts that you do from field to pint, how do all of these farming tools and resources benefit brewers on the other side of the supply chain? Thanks for asking that. You know, everything that a farmer does, that a grower does, they're working very hard to deliver a high quality product to their customer. So all of these efforts behind the scenes to making sure that hop cones are not ravaged by pests or disease, to make sure that um, hops can be shipped across the world into the hands of a brewer, those work to, I mean, those are also to serve the brewers, to serve the hop growers, to serve the brewing customers. We're making sure that trade can be promoted smoothly, that brewers receive a high quality product, but I also truly believe that sustainability starts in the field. So when brewers are themselves are very committed to uh, sustainable practices and to perhaps performing a life cycle assessment in their own operation, making sure that they can provide their customer with a sustainable product, um, the, all the background work that we're doing, they can also use to make sure that they can translate to that to their consumer base to know that throughout the entire supply chain, they can be assured that um, you know we're doing our best on both ends to to supply our consumers with high quality products. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad, really glad you made those points. We do have a very mindful uh, customer base. We have mindful customers who want high quality, who want to know, who are really invested in knowing the story behind the hops and the product that they're using. They want to know what all is happening on the the ground level. It's 
as, a, as someone in agriculture, it's amazing to see the investment um, and interest and uh, that they want to know what's going on here at the farm level. It's fantastic. And, you know, everything that you mentioned, the good binds, those standard practices, that benefits the brewer at the at the end of the day because quality hops mean quality beer. Um, all, these, all these efforts that go into it here in the Valley are reflected in the end product of the great craft beer that uh, – brewers are brewing up and customers are drinking. Uh, so to, to transition a little bit, I'm going to um, pull Jessica into the conversation here. Jessica, can you tell me a little bit about your education and professional background? Sure. Um, so my education consists of a bachelor's degree in business uh, specialty in accounting from WSU. My professional background is a bit interesting. Um, I joined the Navy when I was 19, served for four and a half years, um, and that's where I kind of began my fiscal accounting experience. Um, served on the Abraham Lincoln carrier for, and was out to sea for about a year and a half out of two years, so spent a lot of time out to sea, a lot of time overseas. Um, once I was discharged from the Navy, I went back to Vegas, which is where I grew up, and uh, started my college there and ended up moving up here to Yakima back in 2007 to finish up my degree. Um, and once I moved up here, it was quite clear that this was an agricultural community. And so my first job up here while I was going to college was to work for an Apple marketing company. And that's where I kind of first um, stepped into the agricultural world. I had no idea there were so many varieties of apples. <laughs> that was all new. Yep. And um, so I learned a lot. And uh, once I earned my degree, I actually switched over to the state. I've been a state employee for over eight years now in a variety of uh, positions. I worked for DSHS for a while, um, and then I worked for Yakima Valley College. That's where at Yakima Valley College, I was their contracts um, and grant accountant. So I oversaw all of the college's grants and their contracts. And so that's where I kind of really um, just earned a lot of uh, ex experience with grants and contracting, which is not a common thing to find. So it really helped out the Hop Commission when they were looking for a compliance accountant that had some grants and contract experience. And uh, it was a state agency, so I had all the state training and everything, so it was a great transition. Um, and so I moved over to the Hop Commission back in 2018 and have, um, yeah, so initially I was hired as their compliance uh, accountant and since then has risen up the chain to chief financial officer. Wonderful. Thank you. Can you describe your experience in the Navy? Like what lessons did you take from your time and service in the Navy to bring to your agriculture focused career? You know, I think, uh, the military, um, really helps provide a lot of qualities that are broad and would really help anyone in every industry. Leadership skills, number one. You know, the military provides those training and, and encourages all service members um, to, you know, move up that chain, provides training in leadership. Um, I think the diversity of the military 
working with so many people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different races. Um, it really provided me with the ability to work with anybody and really to appreciate um, the input that a diverse group can provide and, and assist with you know, having the best program, most successful program. Um, those are the big, and then obviously the accounting part doesn't hurt. Fantastic. So what skills or, or strengths do you possess that, that led you to, to working in finance and helped you be successful? Well, I'm a numbers gal. You know, it's when I was young, probably six or seven years old, I remember going to my parents and begging them to just like write out math problems for me to solve. Like that's how I had fun. That was, <laughs> that's how I spent my summer and partial, but yes. So, I mean, I've always liked math numbers, um, uh, money, um, and I've always uh, picked up just on accounting processes and procedures relatively easily. I'm also pretty black and white. You know, you have people that are a little bit more gray area. That's not helpful in accounting. So it helps that I'm that black and white kind of it is or it isn't. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. So... Uh- Correct me if I'm wrong. So you did not have a background in agriculture prior to this at all. So what interested you, you know, coming into an area where it's filled with agriculture? So what interested you in hops in particular? Well, I think it kind of just, it's almost like happenstance. I have to tell you, when that when that job description was out, I had several people come to me telling me, have you read the paper? Have you seen? Because there's a job in there that... It's remarkably similar to your skill set, you know? And so I thought, huh, maybe there's something to this. And then once I started working for the hop commission and within the hop industry, I've just realized how collaborative the industry is. And I love it. I love how everyone is so forward thinking. They work well together and it's just a very cohesive group that's yet small. So you can know everyone. It's very personable. Um, and, you know, working for the Hop Commission, we can help make such a big difference for our group of growers in this valley. And that's, that's impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very fun, collaborative, uh, you know, industry in itself. And people are very friendly. Um, so it's, it's been fun for me to join. And I can, I'm sure that you've been in this longer than I have and um, can appreciate it. It's, it's a pretty fun group to be a part of. Absolutely. So I know that you're going to be the next executive director at the Washington Hop Commission as Ann George retires uh, from her position. Um, she's been a well-known member of the hop community and has served for more than, I think, 30-ish years. Uh, so that leaves some pretty big shoes to fill. What are, what are you most excited about and what does that transition look like for you? So disclaimer, I'm not officially going to be the executive director for a couple weeks until the board makes that final approval. But in likelihood, um, I will. And yes, I'm really excited to spend more time with the growers. You know, I have not had the opportunity to get to know our growers or spend a lot of time on the farms and with industry um, stakeholders, customers. Uh, Primarily COVID affected that quite a bit, right? But Um, so Maggie and I have had the privilege of spending some time on some farms through, um, out harvest and a little before, um, checked out some facilities. It's 
it's great to get out there and learn and get to know people. And I, and that's what I'm excited about. And that's what I plan to do really for the next year or so. Um, you know, and thankfully Anne is very gracious and she will be, uh, a emeritus role throughout 2022 and she has assured us that she will not change her phone number. We will be able to call her, it sounds like, forever. So that's great. And so we'll have her support to help us because, yeah, it's hard when you have someone, she's almost 35 years with the industry, that kind of knowledge, you know, will be felt, right? Yeah. But luckily, she will not be going far. So we'll have her as a resource. And I think we'll do great. We'll be great. Yeah, I hope that I hope that someday we can get... And here on the podcast, she um, had some obligations, uh, so we couldn't have her on today, but I hope that I can pick her brain a little bit as she makes her transition. Um, she's contributed, I know she's contributed a ton to this industry, so it'd be great to have her on. Um, but I'm really excited for this next chapter for you, for the commission itself. Um, it's always exciting when you're you're entering like a next stage or a next step. Um, and, you know, just to kind of reflect on what you said, the best part I feel to me um, about being in this industry is those opportunities to go and visit with growers and visit the farm. It's like you walk away feeling like I, I feel the purpose behind all that you do. You really all of a sudden all the other stuff that you're doing on the day to day, it makes sense. And you really, you know, it just kind of reinvigorates you, re-inspires you. That's why it's really fun to be able to go on those farm visits and shake hands with these growers and kind of reminds you like, this is why I do what I do. So I'm really excited for you. Uh, this is going to be great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to being communication with the, the commission over time and, and with you and see what this next chapter of leadership looks like for the commission. So what, what will the responsibilities in this new role look like? What will you be doing? Um, a lot of what I've been doing, right? Because a lot of it's finance, budgeting, um, and just financial oversight. Uh, I have been piecing on, you know, additional responsibilities from Anne probably for the last year or two. So there weren't a lot of pieces left. Um, primarily, though, it will be program oversight. You know, I had a lot of involvement um, in the past with some of our Hot Growers of America international programs. Uh, but in Maggie's wheelhouse, the science and technical side, I haven't. So it'll be learning, you know, what these programs are. Um, I just need to get up to speed with everything that we do so I can assist our staff to do the best job that we can for our growers. And so it's just that top level knowledge that I'll need um, to gather and work towards. But other than that, most of it is, you know, helping our staff with whatever they need to accomplish their roles and ensuring that our organizations are financially, right, okay, and um, I spent a lot of time writing policies. So yeah. there's that too. Yeah. There's, a, <laughs> there's oh. a lot to it. Well, I'm excited. This is this is going to be a, a new chapter, I think, um, that we're all really looking forward to. And it's going to be great. Um, so I have a, a couple questions for, for both so we can kind of uh, bounce back and forth a little bit. But, you know, working for a small team, it you know, we've touched on this. You all wear a lot of different hats. Um, how do you manage that? It's so much fun because I think we all bring our own strength and skill set to to the challenges. So our team, uh, one of our teammates is Carol. She's worked for a very long time with the commission. She has a breadth of institutional knowledge. 
Um, and then Jessica is a complete WISIC compliance. She understands what it takes to have a strong role as a state agency to serve our growers. And then I'm the token farmer, and uh, our colleague Melissa has copious amounts of experience in the craft brewing community. So together, we really complement each other, and we all bring different perspectives um, to our problem solving and critical thinking. And so it's just, it's just a lot of fun to tackle these, tackle these issues together. Yes, I agree completely. Yep. And I think the different hats, as far as organizations and committees goes, it really helps us serve our growers in whichever need they have at that time, right? So all of our committees, all of our organizations, they have different roles, they have different purposes, different missions. And so that gives us the ability to address grower needs um, as they arise, regardless of kind of how, how the impact is. Awesome. So Washington leads the Pacific Northwest and, and hop acreage. So what are some of the challenges that you have encountered as an organization that represents such a large portion of the American hop community? I think that at its heart, so the hop industry is so small, it needs to be collaborative. And we work, we have a very strong working relationship with our counterparts in Idaho and Oregon. And we work well with our membership across the country. We, we, every year we frequently collaborate on research projects together so different state conventions will fund the same projects all working towards you know trying to find you know um, mitigation tools for powdery mildew and two-spotted spider mite that are uh, other states experience as well and so I think it's when we're working for Hop Growers of America since we are the administrative staff for Hop Growers of America we understand and we recognize the value and the voices of growers outside of Washington. And it's a lot of fun to integrate and to learn more about those different production systems as well. Um, and so it just it just opens up um, the avenue to, to learn more about the industry as a whole. And it's fun to represent the industry on a national level. And to be able to work with federal agencies. You know, not only do we work together as on a state level, but also um, with WSDA and USDA and and they provide a lot of resources for us as well. Awesome. So for those who don't know, the Washington Hop Commission is an all-female team. So what special qualities do you think that brings to your team? Um, I think that, as Maggie referenced, we all have our um, kind of our, our own qualities or our, our own our expertise. Own niche. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that having that with an all-woman team, I mean, we're just able to conquer the world, basically. Yeah. I mean, we also, we work for a growers organization, so we're not afraid to get our hands dirty. You'll yes. find us hauling around crates of beer, yes. shooting out pot vines in a fair booth. I mean, yeah, we're just all over the place. Yeah. I thought that I learned that, and I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's awesome, because when you really think about it, you guys are representatives of the industry, and to know that it's an all-female, all-woman-led crew, I mean, that's just really cool to hear and to know that we have this leadership that, you know, we can look up to. And it, it, it sends, a, I think, a really positive message about the opportunities within this industry and within agriculture itself, that there are tons of awesome opportunities out there um, to go make a difference, to go contribute in different ways, use your different skill sets. 
um, use your communication, use your financial background, whatever it is, there's opportunities out there to be a leader and to make some really awesome things happen. And if you like getting your hands dirty and working with vines, working in the dirt, we, we have that too. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's all there. I love that. So I was really inspired by that. I think that's really cool. And I'm really glad that we have the opportunity to, to highlight that um, and give a shout out that we are, a, uh, we've got a all woman led crew here at the Washington Hawk Commission. That's fantastic. Um, both of you have extensive experience in the uh, agriculture industry through your time, you know, uh, Apple supplier prior to this. And um, then you have recently transitioned into hops. Um, as a traditionally male-dominated industry, what inspired you to pursue this uh, career path as females? Sure. So I think Jessica and I have a little bit different take on this, but I, I grew up in the industry. I, you know, I grew up um, experiencing 4-H and FFA. I always felt like I received very positive mentorship. I feel like I always, I was, my strengths and talents were always recognized. I understood that I had something to contribute of value to the industry. And um, so, and I also, I mean, stepping into this role, Anne has blazed the trail, right? And so I, I've never doubted myself on that front at all. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the industry recognizes good work. Um, and so that, I mean, even knowing that, that's a great, that's a great step forward. Um, for females in this role um, to understand that just just build your expertise, do good work, um, and recognition will follow. Yes, and I agree. You know, with my experience in the military, that's a male right-dominated uh, industry, could you say? And, um, you know, there aren't a lot of women in the military, and it was very um, obvious uh, especially when I was out to sea or served on a ship, that um, several people did not feel women should be in the military. And I mean, that that was something that people would outwardly talk about. And so you kind of knew that there were, were these kind of these ideas. Um, the hop industry, I feel like, is very supportive. They've always, as long as I've been with the organization, they've been supportive um, of women in leadership roles and throughout. And so I think that that's, that's pretty amazing. And, you know, I just, I, I appreciate the, the, the support that women have through this industry at all levels, really. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic to hear. Um, with the challenges of being a woman in agriculture in mind, um, you know, what advice would you give other women pursuing careers in agriculture? My advice to young women striving for a career in agriculture is to just let the beauty of what you love be what you do, meaning to find a passion and chase it. Just cultivate your skill, cultivate your talent into an expertise, into a skill, and, you know, build up um, a repository of expertise that will be so good that people can't ignore it. And people will recognize good work and um, like they'll find you. I think every industry is at its finest when it can harness the, the intrinsic skills and talents of its workforce. And agriculture has some challenges ahead of itself and we need all the brilliant minds we can muster. And so, you know, no matter what, what your skills are, whether they're accounting or communications or science or economics, there is a place here for you. That's what I would, that's my advice. Well said, Maggie. I'm going to play that before, like every morning for head into work. Cause that was super inspiring. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, uh, I loved, I, I love that. I, I think it is so true. There's a huge need, 
Um, and there's a huge need for people who are good at what they do, who believe in it, who are passionate. And we have, you know, this abundant um, group of people who can bring amazing talent, amazing intelligence, experience into this field and contribute and bring this entire industry into a great place. And I'm really looking forward to it. So that is going to be my affirmation in the morning. I'm going to listen to this podcast every morning <laughs> and be inspired by Maggie Elliott. Jessica, what's your take? I would say my advice would be to find role models and to always, I guess, keep in the back of your mind that one day you could be a role model. Because, I mean, we're in leadership roles, which is great, but there are women out there that I'm, I'm impressed with. You know, when I see a woman brewer or a woman farmer on our board or just in general, I'm like, you know, go women. Like, that's awesome. And I think that we have a lot of women in the industry, in leadership roles and throughout that would uh, be willing to mentor women and help them through uh, getting into the industry. And I think, and then always kind of giving back uh, would be the ideal, you know, outcome for me. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, I think it's a a good point to make that find role, you know, mentors, role models, and then also turn back around and give what you have received, all the skills and and guidance that you've um, collected and see if you can help, you can reach back around and help pull somebody else up into a great position. So thanks for making that point. Yep. Um, so how can how can we create more opportunities for women to pursue careers in agriculture? How can we raise more awareness about these amazing opportunities that are available? Podcast might be. Is that a option? That's that that is an option. <laughs> <laughs> option number. Uh, I can't top that. <laughs> no. So my take on that is that I do believe that you know the roots of it start in our culture, right? And so mm. that's why I think that there's such tremendous values in. Um, the home roots programs of 4-H and FFA that can cultivate the confidence of young women in these industries and, and help them f- connect them to mentors and, um, and career skills and, and everything. And so I think that there's a lot of worth in, in those youth programs that we can continue. I feel like I am of a, this new generation of young women who are taking the industry by storm. And so to continue to cultivate that um, presence, I think is very important. Yeah, fantastic. I, these youth programs, there's, I mean, they do great work and they have produced, like you said, a whole new generation of um, women, you know, young people, which is fantastic entering um, agriculture. Um, so that's really cool to hear. And I, I like that feedback. Um, well, we really appreciate each, you know, joining us for this podcast. This has been really fun. I had a blast. Um, the work you do behind the scenes at the Washington, you know, within the Washington Hop community, it's really important. And you both are an amazing representation of, uh, you know, talented women that we have in this industry. Um, do you have any other thoughts that we would like to, that you would like to add regarding this topic? Um, you know, any words of encouragement for, for other women or things that you would like to see happen in the future? Um, so I would just say thank you for having us. It's been great. Um, I look forward to meeting everyone like I, ref- I uh, discussed before. It's going to be, um, take me a bit to... Uh, get up to speed on the industry as a whole, but I hope to um, visit with everyone soon. Yeah, and it was a pleasure to be here. Jessica Jessica and I are both, you know, coming into these roles when the industry is at a very pivotal point. 
Hop acreage has doubled in the last 10 years because of the craft brewing industry. So it's this really exciting time of advancement and engagement and, and consumer engagement. And we're excited to keep on going. And that also means that there's a remarkable opportunity for, for young people to serve the industry as well. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you both. Uh, thank you to all of the listeners and supporters of Bigger Than Beer. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and engage with this platform created to lift up the contributions, experiences, and insights of women in hops and beer. Uh, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes released each Friday. Send to a friend or a colleague who you think might be interested in either the objectives of Bigger Than Beer or the topic of an episode. And if you have a minute, be sure to drop us a review. We value your feedback. So let's keep moving forward on this continuous journey of improvement, growth, and progress. Together, let's create something bigger than beer. <laughs>